Midday Report with Mandy Wiener. Live, online. The 702 app, DSTV Channel 856, 92.7 and 106 FM. Coming up on the show today, breaking news. The Zimbabwean exemption permits have been extended for two years until the 29th of November 2025. The Lesotho exemption permits have also been extended. Treasury approves a 47 billion rand bailout for Transnet. Legal actions being brought against the Gauteng Liquor Board trying to force it to issue licenses. Deputy President Paul Mashatile leads the World AIDS Day commemorations. And it's Friday, so sports and good things too. All of that over the next hour. 702. Let's walk the talk. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Midday Report on 702 and Cape Talk with me, Mandy Wiener. Great to be with you today. Quite a few breaking news stories we are following for you. In a few minutes, we'll get some analysis on Treasury's decision to approve a 47 billion rand bailout for Transnet. Where will that money go? Will it go to debt and managing the debt of the parastatal? Uh, Will it go to public-private partnerships and some corridors as well? And then the other big breaking news story, I'm busy watching the Home Affairs Minister, Aaron Motuoledi, who is holding a press conference in Parliament at the moment. He has just announced to grant executive exemption permit extensions to about 55,000 Lesotho nationals for two years and also the Zimbabwean exemption permits. Those have also been extended for about two years. He is taking questions at the moment. I want to go straight there. Uh, News from Africa bringing us this feed. Have a listen. Business. Then come and apply and we'll give you this dispensation. So it depended on the number of people. I still remember when the Lesotho one was due for expiry and we had to issue a new one in 2019, I received a call from the then Minister of Home Affairs in Lesotho. At that time, we were having 98,000 Lesotho who had them. He said, no, 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 Minister, please move it to 200,000. I said, what? But it's 98,000 who applied for the first one and we, we are dealing with them, not new ones. Those who have already held it. Why now do you say 200,000? And he simply said no. At the time, South Africa made the call for people to come and apply. They went into hiding. They didn't come because they thought it's a ruse to send them back home. Now, when they realize that is true, you are really giving them exemptions and, uh, you know, waivers. They started believing it, but it was too late. So it's them who determine. It's not us. Meaning, if 100,000 people apply, you give 100,000. If 50,000 people come, you give 50,000. If 10,000 come, you give 10,000. So it's not us uh, 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 who decide on the numbers. The issue of measures, what measures do we take to make sure that the correct person applies? When they were giving ZEPs, for instance, or LEPs, they had numbers. And each one of the applicants, apart from giving a proof that they've got a job or they are studying or they are running business, each one of them had to present a police clearance from their country. That police clearance have got their numbers and everything. So it's for a specific person. It was a very, not a very easy job. You had to present the police clearance and say, I come from such and such a country. These are the police, what the police are saying in my country. So that cannot really be given to a wrong person unless the police in that other country are the ones who are cheating us. And we have got no reason to believe that they will do that or they will ever do that. Uh, 
the the process of getting waivers my sister uh the first statement you said is child care is a critical skill i can tell you with my eyes closed it is not it is absolutely not a critical skill unless we have got a new definition of a critical skill and i'm not saying it's not essential or important i think that's what i need to explain my sister a critical skill has got a particular definition it's defined it has got nothing to do with being important or or being uh, uh, yeah being important a critical skill is a skill that is needed by the economy but people who can do that job are in short supply in the country if a job is very important extremely so but you have got lots of people who have got the capacity to do that job it does not become a critical skill that's by definition that is why during fe- around february for the past four years when we were dealing with the renewal of the critical skill list which was done for the last time in 2014 we had lots and lots of people from different professions fighting us that no you're undermining my profession especially lawyers they were fighting and say no but why don't you put law here as a critical skill because it's important of course they are right it's important especially these days where everything is, is is decided by a court of law everything in the country so anybody who studied law is very important but we've got many lawyers we've never been short of lawyers in south africa no way there's an indication that we're short of lawyers in 2014 a person like myself who passed a junior degree in medicine was a scarce skill a doctor was a scarce skill or anybody who has done nothing i mean nursing nursing not nothing nursing 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 anybody who has done nursing that situation has changed dramatically because the medical school started you know graduating more and more doctors so that is Dr. Aaron Motsuledi, the Home Affairs Minister. He has extended the ZDP permit for 178,000 Zimbabweans for two years. He's extended the Lesotho uh, permits as well. No holder of a valid exemption permit may be arrested, ordered to dep- depart or be detained for purposes of, ex- of deportation or deported in terms of Section 34 of the Immigration Act for any reason related to him or her not having any valid exemption certificate. So does this just kick the can down the road for perpetuity the continued extension of permits does it resolve the problem uh, we know this matter has been in the courts the helen susman foundation has taken it to the courts uh, there is an election next year does this count in favor of the anc is it against the anc does aaron Motsuledi not know um that this is the, perhaps the end of his political career uh, what is your reaction to this we will try and get hold of the helen susman foundation as well let me know uh, your thoughts send us a whatsapp voice note 702. 702. Mandy Wiener. Weekdays, 12 to 1 p.m. To the other big breaking news uh, story of the morning now, Treasury has approved a 47 billion rand support package for Transnet, a bailout, however you would like to define it. It's a credit guarantee facility uh, and it's uh, effectively a support package. So the business day describing it as such, the finance minister Enoch Gonongwana agreeing with uh, the minister of public enterprises, Pravin Gordon, to issue Transnet with the facility effective immediately. Uh, We knew that this was on the 
the cards because Transnet had asked for more money. Um, and uh, interesting, the fact that the, the company uh, had been asked or Transnet had been asked to show commitment to the implementation of the freight logistics roadmap, which we've spoken about, uh, and the recovery plans as well, especially the need to open its rail and port networks to private players. So how is that going to play out? Andrew Pike is the head of ports, transport and logistics at Bowman's, joining us now to give us some analysis. Andrew, good afternoon to you. Thank you very much for your time. Uh, This um, support package, as it is uh, correctly being described, a credit guarantee facility to Transnet, what is the money going to be used for, debt largely or other expenditure? Hi, good afternoon, Mandy, and afternoon to your listeners. You know, there's no detail around it at the moment, but it's quite well known that Transnet has some debt that is maturing. And so I would expect that they've got to service that debt immediately. To me, the biggest crisis is, of course, in the ports. Uh, You know, rail is a crisis on its own, but in the ports, we've got 100,000 containers and counting sitting outside Durban. Uh, We've got a drama in Richards Bay, Cape Town. And most of that is caused by a huge shortage of equipment. And part of that is maintenance issue. And I'm told off the record that there might be a maintenance go slow strike in Durban. But whatever the reason, there will be and is a shortage of uh, straddle carriers, gantries and that type of thing. And I'm almost certain that Transnet will go out to the market, probably the second-hand market, because there will be a very long lead time on new equipment, see if they can, you know, quickly, and by quickly I mean two or three months, I suppose, delivery time, find some second-hand equipment, pay for it, and get the port to some semblance of normality. That, that to me, would be where they where they put the money. You'll know that in the turnaround plan that they originally published, they asked for 100 billion rand. Right, yes. Government said no. And, in fact, I think this change of heart is probably something to do with the president's visit to the ports in the last week. And, and maybe a realisation from him about the extent of, of the problem and, and pressure from the private sector, which, which I'm interested in as well. We, we know that the presidency has been working very closely with the private sector on the logistics work stream. Um, and they put out this freight logistics roadmap a couple of weeks ago. We spoke to the presidency about it. Uh, do you think perhaps they, they looked at this and they said, well, we need the money to, to implement the freight logistics roadmap and the recovery plan. And it's urgent because of what the situation is that we've seen. Yeah, I think that you're faced with a, or Transnet is faced with a chicken and egg situation. They say we will, you know, work with the roadmap um, and we will implement all sorts of changes, but they simply can't without the money. So which comes first? You know, the the privatisation that government is demanding from them and the additional competition uh, efficiencies or the money. And government originally said, do those things first, and then we'll talk about money. Now it looks as if there's been some sort of compromise. And uh, and it's clearly, or to me it's clear, that it is to try and implement as much of the roadmap as possible, as quickly as possible, because there is massive pressure from the private sector, and especially in this time leading up to, to Christmas. 
How concerning is the leadership situation at uh, at Transnet and uh, making sure that this money is spent properly? What kind of measures need to be put in place to make sure that it's uh, it, it's spent the way it needs to be spent? Ah, that's a million-dollar question. Leadership is obviously a problem because of the, the turnover in recent months, uh, recent years even. And so you've got, you know, um, acting chief executives, uh, certainly in rail and, and Transnet SOC itself. Uh, unfortunately, I think uh, we've just lost Andrew's line. He dropped off there. Um, but I think we got the, the essence of that. Andrew Pike, Head of Ports, Transport and Logistics at Bowman's. And as he says, that's the million-dollar question, right, is how do we make sure the money gets spent properly, uh, the 47 billion rand facility? So a guarantee framework agreement has to be concluded between Treasury and the Department of Public Enterprises and Transnet within 14 days of the facility being activated. And, and let's hope that there's urgency that the president went to Richards Bay. Um, he didn't go and do an inspection at, at uh, the Durban port, uh, but he would well understand what the extent of the crisis is there. And if you look at the plan that's been put out by the presidency, this freight logistics roadmap, it's working closely with the private sector on this work stream. So this is this is a good thing, in my view, to make sure that we can turn things around, get the ports working, get the economy working. So at least there's some progress happening. 702. The Midday Report with Mandy Wiener. Let's walk the talk. Last month, the Gauteng Premier, Panyaza Lusufi, made some comments about liquor licenses in the province. He announced that the province would stop issuing liquor licenses until they were able to sort out some of the social issues around uh, the drinking of alcohol. And of course, those comments went down like a lead balloon. The Gauteng Liquor Traders Association denying that it had agreed on the halting of the issuing of liquor licenses in the province. A lot of backlash uh, against what Panyaza Lusufi had to say. And now there's legal action being taken uh, against uh, this decision as well. Marius Blom is the Director for Liquor Law and General Litigation at Marius Blom Incorporated and he joins us now. Marius, good afternoon to you. Thank you very much for your time. What are you doing in response to what Panyaza Lasufi had to say about the granting of liquor licenses? Well, I've written him an email telling him that he is mistaken if he thinks he's got the power to stop the issuing of licenses, the law is clear. The Premier is not even a functionary under the Liquor Act. And his statements is totally uninformed and illegal. Subsequently, right. we did get a, a press statement from the director somewhere along the line of liquor, uh, Mr. Peter Hall saying that is, this was not what the uh, Premier had in mind. They are going to continue with the issuing of licenses, so it's just a storm in a teacup. So to be clear, Marius, as things stand at the moment, are liquor licenses still being issued by the Gauteng Liquor Board in Gauteng? The Liquor Board in Gauteng has, over many years, been very lacks in dealing with liquor license applications. In the past, um, I would say six weeks or more, I didn't receive any issued licenses. I am taking the liquor board to court on the 12th of 
um, December in respect of a list of 31 matters outstanding and asking the court to compel the liquor board to consider and finalize those applications and asking the court for interim relief for the various licensees to trade as if their licenses were issued until such time as they can get around to doing their work. So, Maurice, I want to make sure I'm understanding this. So, your legal action is not against the Premier. It is against the Gauteng Liquor Board. Uh, In your mind, is the Gauteng Liquor Board not uh, issuing licenses because of a political directive or is it because they are just not doing their jobs properly? They're just defunct. Well, whether I say yes or no or whatever, it's pure speculation. The Anybody who takes the MEC on, um, to court on the issue of not issuing licenses will have to deal with the press release by the uh, Deputy Director Peter Hall as well. I don't think there is any legal decision not to issue licenses. However, there might be a political motivation on the part of the liquor board to hold back on matters um, until somebody presses the issue and I'm doing that. And you're doing that on behalf of, uh, of, as you said, uh, over over 30 um, clients or applicants in this matter. Who who are these uh, entities and and what exactly uh, are their frustrations? Well, the entities are a number of people who applied for new liquor licenses all before before or on the 2nd of June of this year and whose applications are still pending with the liquor board without any satisfactory explanation why. And the point in at this point in time, the time lapse for considering a license has long gone expired. So what we're doing is we're going to court, saying to the court, here are 13 peop- uh, 31 people, and there are people off the street. Um, it's None of them are big groups. It's a, the normal people off the street. And they've applied, they've waited, nothing is forthcoming. Courts order the liquor board to finalize this within 30 days. Now, knowing that the liquor board seldom heeds court orders, we also ask for interim relief, asking the court to authorize us to trade as if the licenses have been issued until the matter has, in fact, been dealt with. And we also put a rider to the order we request, namely that if the application is refused, that the interim relief remains in place on condition that such an applicant must take the refusal on the review within a month. Now, this has got nothing to do with Lesufi. This has been happening for the past six, seven, eight, almost 10 years. And it's just another one of those applications on behalf of 31 licensees.
Marius, thank you so much for your time. Marius Blom, Director for Liquor Law at General Litigation at Marius Blom Incorporated. So is this just a case of a, of a, of a government entity not doing its job properly and being taken to court to force it to do its job properly? And is this another example of the Gauteng Premier Panyazala Sufi saying things that are politicking uh, without any kind of merit or not? It seems that way. It seems as though he's made some off-the-cuff statements here. And now we're seeing a potential political reaction to this. What has your experience been of the Gauteng Liquor Board? Send me a WhatsApp voice note 072 702 072 WhatsApp Mandy on 072-702-1702. Good afternoon, Mandy. You know, the government of ANC Red is letting us down as South African. Anyway, they must kiss our vote goodbye. Let the foreigners uh, vote for them. If you can see these Basutu people, what they are doing in spread view, the crime that are com- they are committing. If you can see this Zimbabwe and the crime that are, 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 they are committing in the township, I'm telling you, they must really kiss our vote goodbye. Hi, Mandy. Yes, Transnet, another department that is totally... Uh, giving in at the stage like everything else a person just wonders all our hard-earned money and tax that we pay every single month is supposed to go to these departments for maintenance because now they say they don't have cranes and stuff what have they been doing with all that money well as usual putting it in their own pockets so over this alrighty thank you have a good day bye well, we do know that Transnet has a, has a big debt issue and it needs to settle maturing debt. Uh, and that's one of the, uh, the places where this money is going to go. This 47 billion rand bailout is going to go to settling some of that. Uh, otherwise, down the line, there's going to be an even bigger problem when it comes to uh, to debt. And that's one of the reasons they, they're getting this. Um, I am encouraged by the fact that we have got this freight logistics roadmap and there is a recovery plan, at least, because the private sector has now stepped in and the private sector is working with the presidency to fix the problem. So yes, I think that they've made a complete hash of it and we've seen the destruction of, of uh, infrastructure at the ports. Uh, we're under no illusion about that. But now that the presidency and the private sector have stepped in and this bailout has, has come in, the 47 billion rand facility and the recovery plan will be enough to, to resolve the problems. That's what the hope is, at least. Uh, on the issue of the Zimbabwean exemption permits, I think we need to draw a distinction, this is not going to be a popular view, that uh, the ZEP permit and the LEP permit applicants and holders are contributing economically to the country. These are people that have lived here for years and years and years. They contribute financially. They are law-abiding citizens. They are employed and they have been here for many years and they have settled and they have roots here. And I think there's a distinction between that and illegal foreigners who are involved in in organized crime, be it uh, illegal mining or whatever it may be. And I think that we have to draw a distinction through that. And that's the point of the legal action that we've been seeing as well. I think that we can't 
don't look at both of those in in the same way. You may feel differently. I'm happy to hear from you on that. Uh, that's my view at the moment, and that's why the Helen Sussman Foundation has gone to court as well to challenge um, the decision by the Home Affairs Minister. And if you missed it earlier, he has now extended the ZDPs and the LEPs. And I do wonder what impact this will have on the electorate, um, because I think that many people will not be in favour of this and will not want to give the ANC their vote in light of it. So I am quite surprised by the timing of this and this announcement as well. What's up, Mandy? On 072-702-1702. Good day, Mandy Wieners. No, my name is You know, I've been listening to the Minister of Home Affairs uh, press conference and I'm just listening to some of the questions by journalists. There's one journalist who's asking the minister to say that uh, babysitting is a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a rare skill in South Africa. I mean, guys, let's be serious. News editors, when they send journalists to prep, please, let's be serious. You can't tell me babysitting is a, it's a rare skill. And I think uh, this uh, breaking news, which you, you related to, I think will have serious consequences for our service delivery issues with these illegal foreigners now going to be here for another two years or so. Mandy, help me to understand this with the state-owned entities. The problem is that they're dysfunctional and the executive deployees don't know how to do their job. The symptoms is that the entity has uh, collapsed and that it's run out of money. And the solution is give them more money. Please help me to understand that. Okay, I'm not uh, necessarily disagreeing with either of you on this. I'm just offering a counter-argument. So firstly, uh, on the issue of the the ZDP holders, they are not illegal foreigners. They are legally now in the country because they hold permits. So you can't call them illegal foreigners because they are legal foreigners. That's just a factual um, argument because that is the point, that they are here legally, these 180,000 ZDP holders and about 80,000 Lesotho uh, permit holders uh, who have had their permits extended. Um, so you may not want them to be here, but they are here legally, so they're not illegal foreigners. And then on the issue of um, the money that's now being given to to Transnet, I agree with with all of your points uh, that exactly what has happened at this uh, this parastatal at Transnet is that there is a now a massive debt and infrastructure failure, and the bailout is being given 47 billion rand, but it comes with a plan, and at least it comes with a plan, and it comes with private sector involvement. That's one of the criteria. So at least there is a remedy to to the problem, a solution to the situation, rather than just allowing it to collapse further because our our economy simply cannot afford that. Good day, Mendy. It's Melia and Pretoria. You know, the ANC government, it looks like they don't listen and they don't learn. They keep on pumping money in these SOEs. They've done it with ESCOM, they've done it with SAE, they've done it with Post Office and many others. Why do they keep on pumping money? And they know where lies the problem. But because of politics of patronage, they'll continue doing this. William Pretoria, thank you. I understand. It's frustrating. You look at the SAA bailouts, you look at all the bailouts. The problem is they can't go to the markets to go and extend their debts because they've, they're overextended already. So uh, they need to get money from somewhere and then it comes from the, the shareholder, right? It comes from, from government. Um, I think the, the key thing is not throwing good money after bad and making sure that at least it gets used to turn these entities 
around, but to, to, to what end, at what point is enough enough? 702. 702. Mandy Wiener. Weekdays, 12 to 1 p.m. Right, let's look at various court cases underway at the moment. Normally, and it feels like every day, we say, let's go to the Senzo Miwa trial. Um, but the Senzo Miwa trial is actually on hold for now. But one of his alleged killers, one of the accused in the matter, is back in court today. He's being tried for the possession of ammunition as well as the dealing of drugs judgment in that matter uh, being handed down today. So it's one of the accused in the Senzo Miwa trial, but not the Senzo Miwa trial. Khamotsu Modise, EWN reporter, following that for us. Before you even start, we have to say congratulations to you for winning the National Vodacom Journalist of the Year Award yesterday in the category of Innovation in Journalism for your work on the Sensor Miyua trial. Well done. <laughs> Thank you so much, Maddie. Thank you so, so much. And just remind us, when it comes to innovation, what did you do on this trial that, uh, that won you this award? Well, so we started um, a cross-platform or a multi-platform project called Above the Law, the Sensor Trial. And how it works really is we've been meeting on Sundays when the trial is in session on Twitter or what's formerly known as Twitter, now known as X, to have these spaces where listeners come on and we have a legal expert and we kind of dissect the week that was in the trial. Um, and then you know, people get the opportunity to ask questions about the trial. And then we upload those episodes onto our podcast platform called Above the Law, the Sensor Media Trial, available on uh, Omniism as well as Spotify, Apple, and all others. So, yeah, that, that's really the, uh, the, uh, the innovation elements on this, that we are hosting these spaces on Twitter, uh, but then they are also living uh, in podcast form uh, online. Brilliant. Well, well done for, for that. And people can go and listen to those if they want more on the Senzo Miwa trial. So the Senzo Miwa trial yesterday um, being postponed for the rest of the year, but one of the accused is in court today. Tell us about that. That's right. So Mukha Kulalasi really moved from one uh, one dock to the next today. He was in the uh, Sandisa Magistrate's Court. And it is in the uh, possession of ammunition charge as well as the uh, dealing of drugs. You'll remember that Luis Gokurela was actually arrested in May 2020. He was arrested for dealing um, in drugs. And that was actually the same day that he was taken to his house where police were looking for his identity documents and they happened to find ammunition. They charged him with that as well. That's the very same day that he was uh, questioned about the murder of Senzo Meiwa and subsequently signed a confession statement all on the 30th of May 2020. So today we were expecting judgment uh, in those two matters, that's the drug matter as well as the ammunition matter. It didn't proceed because the magistrate in this case was not feeling well, Magistrate Joseph in the Tempisa Magistrate Court, not feeling well, and so he's all sick. So it's been postponed once again. And I think it's really important you know, to note that because this matter has been postponed throughout the year as he's been attending the Senzo Meiwa trial. We're hoping to finally get a verdict on the 12th of December uh, this year. Komoto, thank you very much. Komoto Modise, award-winning Eyewitness News reporter, speaking to us there about this matter today. And just a reminder that uh, the next instalment of the Senzo Miwa trial won't be around for a few weeks now. 702. 702. Mandy Wiener. Weekdays, 12 to 1 p.m. 
to Cape Town and three men accused of murdering activist Loiso Nkogla appearing in the Athlone Magistrates Court today. Two suspects have uh, appeared in court previously. The alleged mastermind behind the murder was found dead in his holding cell before he was scheduled to make his first court appearance earlier this month. Carlo Peterson, Eyewitness News reporter on this one for us. Carlo, good afternoon to you. Thank you very much for your time. What's happening in court? So today we saw um, that a third accused in the matter, Mzabanzi Chalayo, joined another accused, Mzianda Mdlungu, um, in court today, in the Athlone Magistrates Court today. Chalayo has been accused of being one of the gunmen who shot and killed Luisa, Luiso in Kochla. He was arrested earlier this week in the Eastern Cape and appeared in court there before the case was then transferred to Cape Town today. Um, <clears throat> what's also notable today um, in court was that one of the other accused, Sukisa Chabile, um, who was the first suspect arrested in the case, he was not in court today. Um, he has appeared uh, previously and his case has been postponed to February next year. Um, the NPA uh, told us that uh, he will join the other accused at a later stage um, when all three of them will appear together. And Carlo, any more information emerging about the alleged mastermind in this case uh, being murdered? So what, what emerged in uh, in court today was that, you know, that that, that alleged mas- mastermind, uh, Tobani Matlingana, um, he was actually a close friend of Loiso. Um, it emerged in court today that, um, you know, he had masterminded this murder um, of Loiso, not only Loiso, but also uh, Loiso's wife. Um, Nyameka Mabandla um, and um, we spoke to her um, outside court, she was quite shocked she says that uh, Matangana was a friend of Luiso, he was in her home um, you know, he played with her children um, she doesn't understand why um, he's done this um, and she's quite saddened that you know, he was mm. found dead because she might not um, ever now hear uh, what exactly like, you know, his plan was yeah. Carlo, thank you very much for that. Uh, Carlo Peterson, EWN reporter. Three men accused of murdering the activist Luisa Nkokla appearing in court. 702. The Midday Report with Mandy Wiener. Let's walk the talk. Yesterday, I spoke about how um, power outages have been affecting the Joburg market. Market agents accusing the market of failing to maintain the market, allowing it to crumble, even though farmers are paying uh, towards the upkeep. I mentioned the generator uh, there as well, not being uh, in use. Nokokanya Mtambo, Eyewitness News reporter, has been speaking to those at the market. Nokokanya, good afternoon to you. Thanks for your time. What are they saying about, uh, about the Joburg market and what is the Joburg market saying about the situation? Good afternoon, Mandy. So there has been a a slight back and forth between the market agents as well as uh, the Joburg market itself about how exactly the situation played out. So there was cable theft at the market over the weekend, and that obviously led to a power outage. But the generators that are on site um, also didn't kick in, Mandy, because of a, a technical defect as far as we understand the ventilators at that gen farm, what they call it, is just a a bunch of generators on site, didn't kick in because of that issue with the ventilators. And so they were out of power for quite some time. And so this, of course, led to some of the fresh produce, um, you know, rotting at at the farm. And uh, considering, you know, the nature of the fresh produce at the market, one of the most important things is having uh, electricity and having uh, cold room storage to be able to keep the fresh produce fresh. 
Uh, and so the back and forth really was that the market agents were quite upset at the fact that the money that they pay towards the upkeep of the uh, Joburg market hasn't necessarily helped much because, uh, you know, it, it's not up to par, at least not for uh, a trade center of the magnitude that is of the Joburg center. And so the Joburg market in, in response has said that's not entirely true. They are doing the best that mm-hmm. they can to make sure that they're responding to the demands of the markets and the farmers, um, as well as making sure that they keep it up to up to par. The generators that are there, they are addressing the issue right. of the technical defect and they are trying to get to the bottom of it. But as it stands, Mandy, uh, the Joburg market is up and running. It never stopped, even though there was slower trade over the days when there was a power outage. And of course, the markets will then be addressing some of the okay. losses the millions of rands and losses. But I'll have you listen to uh, Galt Wuchjemstra, who's the president of the Institute of the Market Agents, just speaking about the condition of the market as is. The Johannesburg market looks after about 16 million people. If you do use the gross domestic fresh produce consumption figure and calculate it based on the turnover of market, it's about 16 million people that get food off this facility. It's more because the whole SADC is, t- is responsible or, or takes food off this market. Um, so from a food security, food safety point, it is extremely critical that this place is functional We've got huge challenges. Um, the city is not reinvesting into the facilities. Obviously, with um, load shedding, um, cable theft around the market, um, which exa- happened currently. Which Thank you very much to Nokokanya Mtambo for giving us that story about the Joburg market. Sports Wrap. Sports Wrap. With Tolagele Mdanga. Tolakele Mganga here to speak about what's happening in the world of sports. Uh, what's happening in football this weekend? Well, Mandy, we've got a hectic weekend of both the Premier League and the Carling Knockout Cup this weekend. Of course, you know, we've reached the semi-final stage. The fixtures involve Amazulu against TS Galaxy while Stellenbosch take on Richards Bay. That Richards Bay-Stellenbosch game, whoever wins will advance to their first ever final in a cup competition within South African football. And of course, you know that the final will be held at the Moses Mabida Stadium, so Amazulu would be keen to advance to that final. Then in the Premier League, we've got another hectic weekend. Some of the highlights we can look forward to is Newcastle up against Manchester United. That's tomorrow evening at 10. (laughs) Good luck. And then something that would have been a top-of-the-table clash like a month ago, but is kind of now just a top-four <laughs> clash. Manchester City up against Tottenham. You're so shady, <laughs> hey? You are what? so what? shady. You guys are talking about the title in August. We're like, okay, this is the Premier League. And then for people that want to catch the cricket this weekend, out in Benoni, the Proteus ladies are taking on Bangladesh. But more importantly, at Supersport Park, there's a CSA T20 Women's Challenge that's between the Titans and Western Province. Tickets for the first time ever with South African women's cricket are being sold. Please go out and support That's amazing. as we make sure that women's cricket becomes professionalized. I love that. That's fantastic. And before you go, there's golf as well, right? Yes, the Investec SA Open. Thank you. That was very short and sharp. <laughs> See, Brent Lindekew is sitting next to Tolakele and she's trying to make time for him. So she powered through that uh, so we can have longer with Brent because he's decided to come into studio today. Woohoo! Good things. Good things. With Brent Lindeke. Brent Lindeke in studio. I have to say, Brent has walked into studio in shorts with palm trees on them and flip-flops because December. Uh, man, 
Mandy. 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 Mans. Wendy. It is December vibes. And I feel like we need to celebrate. Um, and that was one of the things that I wanted to speak about today is, is the, the news is hard in South Africa. And I feel like that book Friday that we had going and that chias that we had in our country, it's kind of, it's kind of disappeared. There's a lot of hard news so out there. So I made there. this at the point, at the time, right? Uh, when everybody was celebrating the Springboks, I wrote a whole column about this saying you can't rely on sport alone for social cohesion and for patriotism. And we need to keep it going. It's not just about the booker. But that's exactly why, why I am celebrating December vibes today. It's the 1st of December. We know as South Africans, we take December seriously. Um, it's, our, it's our summer season. It's holiday season. And we've all had a really, really hard year. Um, I was speaking to a very good friend uh, yesterday, actually. And he was talking about how 2023 has possibly been the hardest year of his life. And, and when I heard that news, when I, I, he, he didn't speak about it before. We all just sort of getting by on a day-to-day basis, but it has been tough. Inflation is tough. The news, everything we hear on the news, it can feel like it's all too much. And I think that's why we need to try to find little moments of magnificence to celebrate, those little glimmers that we see. And for me today, being in flip-flops and shorts and celebrating summer, even though it's a corporate day, everybody, when I walked into the studio, from the reception to here, everybody looked at me weird because it does look like I'm a In a media house. In a media house. You know that if you walk into a media your house and people look at you funny <laughs> then then there's a problem right absolutely absolutely. i'll tell you what next time you come in i'll wear shorts and flip-flops too. i hope you do next week friday i'll come in again okay deal um so so listen i got very invested in the story you're about to tell us uh, about max the border collie that was stolen during a hijacking yesterday um the hijacking took place uh, right outside a place that i frequent regularly uh so i was i was very invested in this the story i think a lot of people were about max the border collie tell us the story yeah so so mom and and daughter went uh, walking the dogs uh, they had two two border collies that they were walking and um the mom got hijacked and during the hijacking while it was happening she sort of opened the boot to the car to let the dogs out the one dog jumped out the other dog max didn't um boot closed hijackers went off and this mom and daughter literally watched this dog being kidnapped you could say uh, sort dog of going napped, missing please. dog napped you can't say kidnapped dog napped and um and there was there was all this sort of social media sharing and people were sharing the story and it was all over our whatsapps and i even last night there were people waiting to try and get good news because we want good news right we want this to be a good news story well a family in Alex where, where the phone was located. They saw the phone be- beeping in Alex. A family actually phoned the mom and daughter and said, we think we've got your Max. Um, we think we've got it. They phoned uh, the community protection. Yeah, sort of, Cap was very involved. Cap with, was very with involved. And um, they managed to get Max back late last night. And I think just... It's tough and there's bad news, but at the end of the day, listen to all those helpers, right? We always say it. In times of tragedy, look for the helpers. And yesterday, there were thousands and thousands of helpers that were sharing the story far and wide. So much so that a family in Alex somehow got wind of it and were able to then rescue Max and get Max reunited with his family. Oh, I love the story. I really, really do. Max the Border Collie, shame. Poor poor Max. At least he's safe and, and back with uh, with his family now. Um, and then Brent, four years ago, a Craig Hall Park couple started 
consider a heartwarming Santa letterbox initiative uh, where children can submit their letters to Santa, get a written response. Uh, tell us about this because uh, playing Santa is only one part of this very special story. Absolutely. So Martin and Josh, um, they apparently, I haven't seen it, but apparently they go all out with their house in Craig Hall. So they've got all the decorations up and it's, it's quite a, a sight to see. And about four years ago, um, they, they started allowing people to leave letters in the Santa box. Um, and if you left your email address on that letter, uh, they actually went as far as to reply to every single letter that they got as if Santa was replying. So I hope there's no kids listening to this right now because obviously Santa's real. Hang, hang on a second. Just give everyone a moment. Just wait. Okay, you can carry on. Okay, so I, I hope we, we've let all the kids go away. But this, this family have taken it upon themselves to be Santa. And I think that's a huge message when it comes to Christmas. Because like, how do we bring Christmas to life? How do we bring that joy to life? And it's being Santa to everybody around us. So in times of Christmas, be Santa. Maybe that's a new saying. <laughs> I love that. In times of Christmas, be Santa. Be an elf. Be an, an elf. Be an elf. elf. Um, and then today's the 1st of December. So there's December vibes, but advent calendars. And I love this, Brent, a food parcel advent. Tell us about that. So this has actually started trending every year over the last couple of years. And, and one of my journos, Tyler, she takes it upon herself to write about it because it's become such a big thing. Um, yes, we know advent calendars. I get my lint one every year. I actually started early this year. So I, I started, Did you eat them all? I, I've eaten one already. I'm into my second advent calendars already. But this is an advent for good and it's not about so much taking for yourself but giving back and the idea is to get some sort of big basket a big space that you can sort of hide away from the rest of the family or snackers in your family and for every day that uh, is the lead up to Christmas you need to go dig into your pantry and find something that's still got a little bit of shelf life so we're not going to give away stuff that, that's not going to last and you put it into that parcel you put it into that the box or whatever you have and, and where you're keeping that food and just before Christmas you need to find a family in need and then hand over that parcel of food um, so that it can help them in some way and let me tell you he has a crazy story right now but in our own community we've identified neighbors who live in affluent communities that are not able to buy groceries right now times are tough and and people are not speaking about we don't speak about fight club right so we don't talk about what we're going through mm. but there are families around us our neighbors that are in need and i think this is just a very kind way if you identify people that are in need this is a very kind way for you and your family to do something sure, together it's incredible. To give back. just every day do it with your kids put something aside in a box it's a great way to do an advent calendar as you as you count down to christmas it's so clever um i went out yesterday with uh, the um truck of love the spa 702 truck of Lo love to the home of hope um in kensington and we delivered just just everyday produce Millie Mill, um, beans, and the difference that this makes to, to people to be able to uh, to have that is just massive. Absolutely. So there was a video, and I know we've only got a couple of seconds left, but there was a video that went viral uh, sort of last week, Santa's shoebox, with a kid opening up the shoebox. And when you see how excited this kid got for getting pencils and soap and socks, you understand what the need is out there. And if we can give back, if we have the capacity to do that, I think that's the way we'll add a little bit more joy uh, this Christmas season. So, Brenty, thank you so much for coming in. We're going into December. Um, today is the 1st of December, as, as I've mentioned. So what's your message to everyone? 
Um, this is it. Uh, we're all holding on by a thin, thin thread. We're not speaking about it. It's been a tough year. I think we need to lead with kindness. That's always my message. Um, the world would be such a better place if we lead with kindness, if we understood that everybody's going through a whole bunch of stuff. And uh, if we're able to just be a little bit kinder and help everybody on their journey, um, isn't that a nice thing to do? It's amazing. I have one thing for you before we go. The president has told us that we need to not bad mouth about South Africa. We must tell the good news stories. There's been a lot of flack about this. I wrote a column about it. Um, but, but, but you're telling some of the good news stories, not the one the president wants us to tell about the ANC government. But there are good news stories out there. There are good news stories. There's, there's a bucket load of them and they are everywhere and they are all around us. And perhaps they're not what the president wants us to talk about because we need to point out what is wrong in South Africa. But there's a whole lot of stuff that's right. And let me tell you where that comes from. It comes from South Africans. It's from the people. It's from civil society. It's from you and me. It's from the listeners. It's from the hope dealers, as Mandy Wiener always says. And I think that's, that's what we need to celebrate is, is those are the people we need to be to- speaking about. Brent Lendeku, the good things guy, wrapping up our week. The Midday Report. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a lovely weekend.